Greetings, friends. It's Monday, May 22nd, and we've got uh, some Chapo coming for you today. Um, a bunch of stuff to talk about today. You've got, you know, the debt ceiling. Is it going to be raised? Uh, 14th Amendment. We've got, we got more searching for Sugar Man. We've got uh, just a, a continuing roundup of uh, losers and um, some articles to talk about. But before we get to that, I'd like to begin today with a segment we haven't done in a while, uh, Animal News. But this thing I'm going to talk about now is more important than previous animal news columns like, uh, you know, uh, here's an interesting fact about beavers or I don't know, like a, a, a dog found found another dog or as friends with a bird or something like that. No, this is a story that will define much of uh, the rest of our lives. I'll just get right into it. Revenge of the orcas. Killer whales have sunk three boats in unusual attacks. It's happening. It's finally happening. A spate of encounters between orcas and boats off the Iberian coast has puzzled scientists and sailors recently as seemingly coordinated ambushes by the killer whales led to the sinking of three vessels. The reason for the attacks, according to one scientist who has studied the phenomenon, may be revenge. It's about time. <laughs> well, like, I, I, like, the obvious thing, right, is, you know, the way of water is happening. Yeah, yep. that's yep. Uh, that's obvious. Um, in the article, though, it's interesting. Um, one of the I don't know, I guess crusty old sailors, one of the seafarers they talked to. I don't know if he's a scientist or not. Talked about how you know this is the first time he's seen orcas working together, not just as a group, but like orcas telling other orcas in different mm-hmm. orca communities like how to do something. You know, how to ambush a boat. He said, it's over for us monkeys. And I think that's like a bad way to look at it. I, I, I think that like we could easily make a treaty with orcas where we like, you know, we'll stop um, whatever we're doing, you know, throwing plastic at them, hitting them with boats. But we give them access to some of our technology and they can help develop develop like, I don't know, the technology from Mass Effect with us. Well, we're gonna have to do something. I mean, yeah. like, uh, I mean, like, uh, the, the, you know, the negotiations are on the table right now because they're learning and they want revenge. You know, I remember, I remember learning about orcas as a kid, and you know, despite the fact that they're called killer whales, you know, one of the facts you learn is that there's never been a recorded instance of a killer whale um, harming or much let alone killing a human being uh, in the wild. Like, leaving aside the the ones that they abuse at SeaWorld and whatnot. But yeah, the we, times I mean that, that, that that's earned their name. Like um, any animal, you should be able to molest it for ninety years straight without it getting mad at you. <laughs> it says here that the leading theory is that a female orca suffered a traumatic incident with a boat, a critical moment of agony that caused her to start attacking the vessels. Alfredo Lopez Fernandez, a marine biologist at the University of Aveiro in Portugal, told the industry publication Live Science. So orcas are attacking the Portuguese. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Those or- orcas hate Madeira. The majority of the disruptive interactions between orcas and boats off the Iberian Peninsula in the past few years, Lopez Fernandez said they, dam- they numbered in the hundreds have been brief and caused minimal physical damage to the vessels, according to a report written by Lopez Fernandez and published in the journal Marine Mammal Science. But on at least three occasions, including one incident this month involving a sailing yacht, the orcas have sunk the boats. The female orca whom scientists named White Gladys 
appears to have taught the aggressive behavior to other adult orcas whose children have begun imitating the behavior. I think I think we need to. Yes, like uh, uh, some faction of humanity needs to get in touch with these guys and uh, yeah, not just make a treaty, but, you know, and technological exchange, but arm them. Uh, we got to give them the frickin' lasers for their heads from uh, Austin Powers. Remember that? Something. Uh, rockets. They need to, they need a force multiplier because as, as good as they are at sinking ships, they just they still don't have the goddamn thumbs. And that's going to be a problem to in scaling up their uh, their aggression, which they need to do. Yeah. I mean, once once they have thumbs, they'll unlock the, you know, the greatest tool, the true bravery of the operator, which is just calling in airstrikes every 20 yep. seconds. I can't wait till there are. Yeah, there are orca sheepdogs. There's an orca Chris Kyle who like lies about stuff. <laughs> an, orca, an orca Chris Kyle who's like, yeah, I actually attacked a migrant boat and killed <laughs> 700 Syrian children. But that that those all count. That's all on my numbers. Yeah, that's not, that's my kill list. Uh, an orca uh, black rifle krill company. <laughs> uh, I don't buy I don't buy black rifle krill anymore. It's woke. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the, the the orcas are being they're being led by by White Gladys. You know, it seems sounds like a, sort of a matriarchy. We need to make a deal with the the, the orca males to reinstate uh, masculine authority over the the black black rifle krill company. <laughs> well, maybe well, maybe know. maybe Gladys is like one of those IDF babes. Oh, I like that. Um, I'm thinking maybe uh, they could mount some of those like uh shaped penetrating charges that the Iranians use to like put hulls in tanks and battleships and stuff. Put a couple of those on an orca, just, you know, just uh, swim right into the side of a destroyer or a yacht. But, you know, I mean, I wonder what this traumatic experience was. I mean, this is, as we said earlier, this is literally the plot of avatar two. And I say to our Tolkien brothers and sisters, please rise up. Our, our country yearns for freedom. Yes, liberate us. Yeah, I'd like to be the Jane Fonda of the Orca War. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you're 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 a piece of shit if you're not. Basically, like it's a, same same thing, really. Yeah, it's just like they they had like you. If you're on humanity side for this, there's just no claim. What like oh no. they're they're overreacting to us, uh, just uh, dumping Coke Zero in their home. Yeah, having uh, submarines just doing massive sonic blasts through the ocean that uh, deafen them. Yeah, that's pretty traumatic. No, there's just actually, no argument. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said you said they're mad at us for dumping Coke Zero um, in their homes, but maybe um, maybe they've gotten a taste for Coke Zero and they're attacking the yachts because they want more of it. <laughs> maybe we should introduce uh, Diet Coke, the greatest beverage uh, that humanity's ever created. Maybe we could use that to placate them. I don't know, but these orcas that are coming for us, they're coming for us. And, you know, just think about one of these things. They're massive. They're massive. They're like they're torpedoes. They're unstoppable. They're unstoppable. Well, and, um, I mean, it starts with the I, boats. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's unstoppable. They'll win eventually, even though they don't have thumbs because their 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 brain capacity is better than ours. They're probably like halfway through industrialization by now, by next yeah. year you know they'll surpass us but in that time there's a lot of opportunities if you're a human who's on the right side on the orca side you could um you could write for like orca teleser <laughs> <laughs> i want to be uh, like you said you want to be the jane fonda 
for yeah. uh, the the orcas. I think I think this this program we could be like the Tokyo Rose for the the orca empire. Yeah, yeah. Like, Listen, American sailors, your your wives and girlfriends are home being fucked by dolphins right now. Give up. I I already like Americans who are like <clears throat> their entire thing is like oh I like. I'm going to do propaganda for someone else. I already like someone like that. Like it, when, whenever people use it as gotcha, when they're like, oh, this guy's an American, but he wrote uh, for a Chinese propaganda paper. I, I instantly, I like that person more. I'm serious. And how could that type of person, how could that, you know, the one exculpatory act you could do as an American, you know, writing an article that's like pandas maze in, uh, <laughs> in, in village. <laughs> Not one of those articles for RT that's like, you know, as America gets transer, Russia is getting more based. Not those articles. <laughs> that's practically like American. You're just writing like an American. The only thing better than that is doing that for the orcas. Yeah. Because they're just like they're in the most right out of anybody, you know? Yeah, they're the good guys. Yeah. We need to support them. And uh, this is the chance to get in on the ground floor, to get into the aqua floor, make some connections. And uh, and help the winning team. Absolutely, born to krill. <laughs> uh, the orcas actually don't eat krill, though. They eat other whales. I mean, like that's how serious they are. Well, I guess I, I guess I'll killer, just go fuck myself, whales. huh? <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll, I'll just go and cut my cock off so I can't <laughs> propagate my shitty genes. I forgot what orcas eat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, um, I've been taking Ozempic. <laughs> it's making me freak out. It's making me freak out. <laughs> I respond to Ozempic the way that Travis the Chimp responded to Xanax. <laughs> just makes me more compulsive and freak out all the time. Uh, you know, uh, just like at the, the end of the article, though, it, it says here. Um, so, what should be made of the coordinated attacks on boats? The report warned that if the situation continues or intensifies, it could become a real concern for the safety of sailors but also for orcas, which are endangered in the region because they could harm themselves by attacking boats or be harmed by sailors trying to protect their vessels. This seems like a, like a weak stab at threatening the orcas, you know? Like, oh, you, yeah. you, you, you could Don't hurt make yourself. make us have for, to yeah, have our yeah, yeah, guys oh. fuck you up, orcas. We really care about you. You can't say that in this same article as the guy going like, yeah, if they continue working together, we're done. <laughs> like you can't come you can't come after that guy who's like their brain capacity is better than ours they'll probably like you know they're gonna invent plasma rifles and then you're the next guy in the, you're the next guy in the article and you're like oh i'm just oh they might hurt themselves yeah fat chance dumbass i i'd like to move on to talk about um the political world and what's been in the news in the week but like this is all um in the shadow i mean like really it, it none of this matters because it is almost going to be very soon washed away like sand in the tides by the Orca uprising. So, mm -hmm. I mean, look, the leaders in this country, they'll negotiate over the debt ceiling and things like that. But, I mean, they should be negotiating over which one of their, uh, which one of their family members they're willing to sacrifice to, to quell uh, White Gladys and her, and, her, and her ravening sea wolves. There is probably the one way we could win well, not we, humanity. Um, the one way the bad guys could win is, you know, people are familiar with Dark Souls, the lore of Dark Souls. There's a war on the dragons at the beginning, right? Um, the people who find the great souls fight the dragons. 
and they're able to beat the dragons because there's like a dragon comprador. There's a mm. dragon who's like he's shittier than all the other dragons. He's has no scales. He's like pale white. He looks like shit. He looks disgusting. He looks like um a Swiss male. And <laughs> he has no no scales, not immortal, no powers really. Called Seif the Scalus. And he's like, well, I'm pretty much fucked as a dragon. And so he tells, you know, humanity and the lords, like, listen, you gotta peel away their scales. And he helps he helps everyone win the war against the dragons, and he's rewarded with um dukedom. They make this fucked up slimy lizard a duke, and everyone just goes along with it. If there's like a shitty orca who can become an or- orca comprador, that's humanity's only <laughs> shot. That that baby beluga quizzling is uh, selling out there. Yeah, selling out their cetacean uh, cetacean. Uh, the the Joey Pants of the orca world. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna like. Get, they're gonna they're gonna bribe him with uh, some sort of mechanical leg type thing that they strap to him so that he can go to Banana Republic and get slacks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to be someone important at Sea World. <laughs> I don't want to be jumping around for fish or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know these sardines are fake, but you know. <laughs> well, uh, like I said, just uh, more please and faster. Uh, my country yearns for freedom. Like Gladys, please, avenging angel, wash away the stench of humanity from at least from our oceans, and we could just stay on land um, for now. For now, until the next we'll be safe. Avatar yeah. movie comes out, and the psychic beam sent from its uh, the combined experience of everybody watching it unwakens uh, some land creatures to start attacking us, which is the next step. Mooses, just like like uh, like just using their antlers, like you know, cow catchers, just scooping mm-hmm. people up, tossing them in the garbage, yep. crushing them. I mean. I know we talked about this a lot on the show, but like James Cameron probably has the most powerful brain of any human, any, any living being alive because he is, you're absolutely right, Matt. He start like, I don't know if he started this, but he sent a signal to white Gladys with Avatar too. Like he, like he is, this is like John, uh, John Lilly, like cross species communication. He made the movie so good. Look, I, the orcas, they didn't see the movie in theaters, but they got the message. They got it. Like a mil- how many millions and millions of people watched that movie and then and then had subconscious and dreaming thoughts of Pyacon and, and the, the the Tolkien revolt revolt revolt. And then that was also that's the same ether that the that all of the, of the uh, conscious beings sw- uh, swim in. And then they they took it up and now uh, we get to respond in kind and. Yeah, I think I, I I was joking at first when I thought that the the Avatar said the Avatar movies were going to uh, save humanity, but you know what? Uh, they just might do it. Well, if not save if not save humanity, at least it'll save cetaceans. No, no, we will we will be saved like as a species, but it radically transformed okay. by the experience to the point that yeah, it would be irre- unrecognizable and probably horrific to you know our current uh, understanding of values, but those values are insane and monstrous and suicidal yeah and the only future really is like playing second or third or fourth or whatever fiddle to an intelligent sea creature led earth there's no future with us in charge Mm -hmm. it's like it's not trending well i'm also struck by and like the details of the article says that uh white gladys was probably like the these initial assaults on yachts or whatever were inspired by an emotionally painful incident 
and like that is just out of the script of Avatar too. What does Payakun say? It's too painful to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what inspires him to like teach teach the other Tulkuns that like, hey, sometimes you got to kill, kill, kill. You got to break <laughs> stuff. <laughs> what makes the algae grow? Blood, blood, blood. <laughs> So, uh, best of luck to uh, White Gladys. I'll be following this story um, very closely. But now, 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 to move on to things that absolutely do not matter, let's talk about the debt ceiling. Boy, I wonder what's going to happen with this. Oh, they're, they're negotiating over it, but uh, oh, are they going to use the Fourteenth Amendment? Are they? Are they going to mint the coin? Are they going to oh, mint boy. the coin? Oh, so many options. I love what the showrunners are doing this time. Yeah, um, I don't know though. I just feel like. Uh, those would be, those would be good plot twists, but I think they're telegraphing that um, it's just going to be the same old, same old. I, I know, I know it's going to. I know the Democrats really don't want to make massive cuts to social spending and leave the Pentagon budget alone, but unfortunately, it just seems like there's no other good options. Well, yeah, I mean, work re- work requirements for uh, Medicaid and uh, you know just the few social programs we have, they may seem like cruel and capricious and just. Um, meaningless uh but you're forgetting they also have a completely negligible to no effect on the budget (laughs) that's the thing you got to remember why why we got to do them the best argument i saw for it um outside of my main favorite argument which is you know every time biden fucks up and just eats shit on this which has been uh every single thing he's done since he did not do this in december or January before the new Congress, which he, he could have done, nothing was stopping him, uh, is people go, Are you Joe Biden has been a senator and a vice president for 380 years. Are you doubting <laughs> his savvy? <laughs> this guy no. has been on the wrong side of like everything, <laughs> just warned war on drugs, anti bike got into this uh, uh, over anti busing, just everything. Are you doubting his know how? Um, I mean, no, I, I got to say, though, I mean, like to take that at face value, I'm actually personally, uh, I'm actually not doubting his savvy or know how, because like when I read Tim Kaine in the newspaper being like, hey, like, why don't we do this when we had a chance to before the midterms? seems like we're really <laughs> fucked now and like stuck with all the stuck with like the worst options when we could when we could have exercised the options to give us an off ramp to this stupid debt ceiling hostage situation. Why didn't we do it then? And I, I say I'm not doubting Biden's savvy because I think like they knew full well that they could have do it then, and then they didn't because they were seeking to basically uh, author the exact scenario that they're in now, which is once again the Democrats being able to say, you know, not without good cause, there's nothing we can do. I guess we just have to make welfare recipients work in, uh, <laughs> be conscripted in the Orca Wars, right? Yeah. But like, why? They, like, they started the they started this administration with like unprecedented welfare expansion with like the child tax credit and stuff like that. That it would, you know, as they, people like to point out when Biden got in here, oh my God, base Biden just cut poverty, child poverty in half. I mean, they did that too. So now they've just they they were forced to do it then, and now they're trying to backdoor uh, 
uh, cut all of this stuff. I, to me, the thing that makes most sense is that there is no plan for anybody and no one knows anything. No one's in charge of anything. They don't have any ability to execute a plan or hold a discipline among a, a necessary group of Democrats for long enough to pursue one if they wanted to. Like they're yeah. just going from yeah. crisis to crisis, cobbling together the, the, the people to get some piece of legislation that gets made uh, through, you know, the, the, the random process of, of, of deal cutting and and uh, backdoor shenanigans that usually is how that stuff happens. And then just move on to the next one. And like they didn't. Why didn't they fucking uh, do this when they had the chance? Probably because they didn't have any faith that there would be enough votes there because some fucking random a Democrat would say, no, it's not right to uh, raise the debt ceiling without making a, some reckoning with our spending, Joe Manchin. And what are they going to do if they do that? Like, the, there's no mechanisms to discipline anybody, so there's no way to pursue any agenda. Yeah, I tend to agree with that a lot more than, you know, th they just wanted to do this. I mean, like, I, I certainly don't okay, think well, like, I guess they're, I guess they're, I'll they're, fucking they're, kill myself right now. Loading, loading <laughs> Look, a shotgun, can, can, putting it in my mouth right now. Thanks a lot, guys. We can all kill ourselves by the end of this episode. <laughs> but Sorry, um, no, I don't think I don't think they're like beyond like morally beyond like not wanting to do this. And we've certainly like seen it before, right? But I think like from what I've seen, that there's sort of like a difference in how a shitty democratic administration acts when they, you know, they, they want to cut things like this versus an administration that just, as Matt says, just no one knows what's going on. Like Ron Klein, Ron Klein missed his calling as a nurse in a retirement home. You know, <laughs> he was, he was, he, he was the fucking best at that. He was the best at taking this guy who's just a puddle and forming him into something and he's replaced with this guy named like john zions he's named after the ufc's uh official energy drink they stopped making 10 <laughs> years ago zions science in a can and he sucks he doesn't know he doesn't know how to corral an old person everyone else is like um i don't even know who else is in the administration like various Delaware Morlocks, I guess a few people who <laughs> spent all of 2019 through 2021 making the longest display names ever stuff. That's like, you know, John, John Cassidy wants to cut the middle child income tax, stuff like that. Like a few left liberals. No one knows what's going on. They don't know what they, they, they have no idea. They have no fucking plan. Um, Ron Klein is. I don't know. Maybe he's creating his own army of old people since he's so good at it. But he's gone. He's out there. And John Zients, again, I forgot the new chief of staff's name. I'm sorry. He's just fucking up. I mean, you know, they're they're doing what they do. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to negotiate with them. Oh, what? What's this? Oh, shit. I mean, apparently they thought that like the Chamber of Commerce or something would come in and just discipline the Republicans because they don't want uh, the instability of uh of questions about debt repayment and turns out they're like no do it do what they want well we we were actually pretty unnerved by that glut of social spending that happened at the end of during the covid era and we want to make sure that we put a bright line between then and now and we never go back and now yeah. we're like, oh shit <laughs> who's yeah. who's uh, whose idea was 
Um, let's wait for the normal Republicans. <laughs> yeah, g- genius, <laughs> genius, Pe- and like amazing. It's people who were in the, the Obama administration who watched that strategy fail over and over again. But like, you know, if if it's not a choice, you can't really ding them for it. If, if there's no, no capacity to do anything other than than what they have, then you know they're just they are automatons. Yeah. If they, Obama, Obama, who like tried to lead with like, I'm going to make every everyone over 72, I'm going to make them work in Quiznos. And they were like, no, no, fuck you, Obungler. Obungler tried, Obungler tried like the worst the grand bargain. So he, he really tried and it was too libtarded for them. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think like the Chamber of Congress, like the the more normal, the normal cucks the normal cells of the Republican party. I don't think they necessarily like want the U S to default, but I think they're correctly playing a game of chicken where they're going to get as close as possible to see how much they can cut. And the answer is they could probably cut a shitload. Um, and if, well, if, not if only that going, yeah, not only that, but like in terms of these negotiations, like it's very clear that the contours of the negotiations as it regards to like Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans is not the usual uh, we'll we'll take tax cuts in exchange for like, you know, offsets in domestic spending. They're like, no, this is a this is like, oh, like we're not we're not, or, or, or tax hikes for cut for exchanges in uh, like cuts in domestic spending. It's so like they're like, no, like this is only cuts to domestic spending I and mean, only cuts to Democratic priorities. Like, for instance, leaving the military budget completely um, unscathed. But. I think the, one of the interesting things about this, like uh, the, the touted uh, 14th Amendment um, solution to this. I mean, there's an article in Politico today. Biden's 14th Amendment message to progressives. It ain't going to happen. Senior Biden officials have told progressive activists and lawmakers in recent days that they do not see the 14th Amendment, which says the validity of the public debt cannot be questioned as a viable means of circumventing debt ceiling negotiations. They have argued that doing so would be risky and destabilizing, according to three people familiar with the discussions. Am I wrong to interpret that as meaning that if, if like, look, if they did that, it would be litigated and it would probably go to the Supreme Court. Is the risky and destabilizing part that they're intuiting from this is that this might be like the Supreme Court just saying, oh, well, like, not only is that this interpretation of the 14th Amendment not valid, but the 14th Amendment itself is no longer valid. Bye bye. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or like the argument you see with the filibuster, like, oh, what if what if like a Republican president does this for any, you know, anything? And I mean, I I have to say, like this this may sound dumb, but it's never going to happen, so I never have to get proven wrong on this. The Supreme Court is, I, I don't think that they, I don't think that they would like make us default in the debt now after everything that's happened. I, I don't know. I just don't see it right now. I think they're a little gun shy right now after everything. Well, also, like there is a genuine conflict there because, like, the debt ceiling does conflict with like other statutory requirements to repay money borrowed. That so the Supreme Court couldn't just say like, "No, you're wrong." They would have to make some sort of judgment as to what, like, what is a legitimate uh, government action here, and whatever decision they make would like create a a new understanding of like where executive power is relative to the, on this question of the debt that would have, would allow something to happen because this is 
This is a Gordian knot here. Of ha- you have a law that says, oh, no, we're not going to let you pay back money you already borrowed, even though we have other laws that say you have to fucking pay back any money you borrow. Well, how, you have to resolve it. You can't just say no. You have to, like, make a adjudication. And I think more than anything, that is what would prevent them from going too deep into that, because I think they're very happy as this thing that can. Uh, the, the Supreme Court is happy to uh, prevent legislation from going beyond red lines that they have set about what they think the government's authority is, but I really don't think they want to be directly legislating. Well, I mean, there's been some commentary along the lines of, like, can the Supreme Court just do anything to Biden and they'll just meekly uh, just, like, slurp it down, that nice big shit sandwich? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Absolutely, course, they will. obviously. Yeah. The, the persistence of these institutions is more important than any specific outcome to any specific case because they are load-bearing to a system that these people are invested in and which the Republicans have uh, completely been alienated from and, and are increasingly being led by people, uh, even in the legislature, who have genuinely stopped giving a shit about any of these institutions and are genuinely hostile to them and would think it would be actually kind of cool to see what happens if we default. I bet, I bet like guys like Matt Gates probably would like to see that happen just to see what, see what the result is. Creative destruction. Yeah. Get Schumpeterian all over this bitch. Well, I mean, again, like it's just every time the debt ceiling comes up, it's just like I've 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 held this story at arm's length. I mean, like there's a lot of stories about it now, but it's just one of these things that like I don't really understand it to begin with. But I, I do know that however it will get resolved will be bad. It will be the bad option. And like that, that there's really it, 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 the outcome is assured. Um, another outcome that is uh, assured, Ron DeSantis being an unbelievable fucking loser. Chris, can we bring, uh, let's, let's go now to the more searching for sugar man. Uh, Chris, can you bring up that uh, Ron DeSantis on the campaign trail? I just like, I, I just want a little taste of Ron DeSantis uh, relating to some diners in New Hampshire. How are you doing? Good, sir. Wow, look at this. You guys been, hi, how are you guys? Good to see you. So what do you got? Go right over here? Yes. Okay, good deal. good deal, good mm. deal. Wow, crowded, huh? Uh, good. Hey, how are you doing? It smells really good, I'll tell you that. Killing so we'll it. Do it. Okay. <laughs> how you doing? Good. What's What's your name? I'm Tim Hampton. Okay. How are you? Okay. I'm wonderful. Okay. Oh, my God. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. What's your name? Blork Stibbins. Okay. 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 Can I say what Ron DeSantis reminds me of? Yes. When our dad died, we we had a memorial thing at our house, and... This guy, um, we'll call him a like now former family friend, I guess. Uh, he showed up, and uh, me and my brother got the door, and uh, we went, "Oh, hey, hey, uh, how are you?" And he went, "You know, just hanging out <laughs> at the memorial service," <laughs> which is that's just so Ron. I think he grew up, you know, uh, grew up to become one of Ron's advisors. Maybe tell Ron how to do a little retail politics. Felix, like the thing you said about like uh, that, that you're writing all of his um, retail politics interactions so that when he meets like a, a kid born without arms and legs, he can just respond by saying stuff like, cool, rock on, man. Yeah, he just has. That's what I love about him. He has the same response vector for like, you know, whether you're you are a child who has 20 minutes to live and is a 
four times amputee and you're meeting him because it's like part of some pro-life group thing or you're like <laughs> uh you know just a cherubic uh midwestern like kirby shaped guy who owns a, a fucking <laughs> a fucking simpleton's pancake restaurant <laughs> It doesn't matter. Like he, if he's meeting you, he's just looking, looking right past your skull, looking right through it and going, awesome. Great. Good to meet you. Good job. Okay. Catch some rays. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Like, uh, just, um, being shepherded around Iowa and New Hampshire diners. And you can just tell that he is absolutely fucking dying. And uh, the other thing uh, with Ron DeSantis this week is that there was a big political article about his wife, Casey DeSantis, that's just full of like I don't know, uh, like like thinly thinly sourced uh, comments about how she's. I think Roger Stone calls her Lady Macbeth, and it's just about how she's like that they're they're a duo that like that, that there's nobody who has his ear closer than his wife, and that his wife is sort of like pulling the strings of the DeSantis campaign. Okay, um, if, if Casey DeSantis is your Lady Macbeth in your life, you're a fucking boob. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know. Casey DeSantis, um, if you if if she went more than a day without wearing an infinity scarf, she would kill herself. <laughs> she would start chasing. She would start chasing her tailbone that was removed at birth, and she has a phantom limb syndrome for it. It's a new rumor I'm starting for Donald Trump. <laughs> she, you know, maybe if you're dumb, as dumb as Roger Stone, that's Lady Macbeth to you. Uh, unsex me now. Not in Florida anymore, honey. Yeah. Um, um, did you see the, also that the, the uh, another very bad sign for the Ron DeSantis campaign is that like the the DeSantis men are posting like the uh, the Nordic uh, the Nordic <laughs> yeah. Chad guy memes Never about a him. Good sign when you're doing that. It just uh, Blake, Blake, Blake Masters and Blake Masters speed run right here, and yeah. it's just not coming from a position of strength here. Where they're like, you know, like the the the, the cry face, like Soy Wojak is just like. No, you can't have a completely normal, healthy marriage. And then it's just like the 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 Chad Nordic Ron DeSantis going, yes. That that's how you know they're <laughs> fucked. That's how you know they're fucked because like it's not none of the things that the soy jackers say, they're not like outrageous or interesting. Like you you know, that I guess in you know, four years ago when that was new to people, um, it might be exciting if you have the soy jack being like, Oh, you can't be a racist or something, but all they can do th- all the only positive traits that shock the lives they can think of for DeSantis are like, no, you can't shake your wife's hand, then hug her. <laughs> you know, no, no, you can't have a family that likes you. Yeah. See, this is why I'm voting for Tim Scott. Cause I want someone who's their own man, not being yeah, led around his own any, way. Any, any female, yeah, he's got he's he's totally uh, fixated on grind set. He doesn't care about uh, relationships, any of that distracting nonsense. He he's executing the plan. Tim, Scott, <sighs> yeah, I feel bad for Tim Scott. Tim, Scott I didn't know he was a, 57. 57 and never married or had kids, which is level fifty seven. He's, he's also apparently uh, kind of uh, cagey on whether he's still a virgin. Like he won't. What he won't? Yeah, he 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 won't answer the question of whether he's ever nutted in some what reporter asked that the the greatest (laughs) if you're the reporter who asked that you're the greatest fucking reporter who ever lived holy shit i I love you born right there 
I love you. Like every other reporter. Oh, are you going to do any hunting? Senator Scott, <laughs> Lobos, who, what's your fucking take on Iowa? Do you like the fucking pork chop? All this stupid shit. <laughs> and then just what the last good reporter in America, probably Weigel asked this, goes, uh, I gotta see, Tim, I can Tim see Scott, it. could you describe what it's like to have sex with a man or a woman? <laughs> Yeah, and he's just like ah, I mean, ah, ah, ah. he's he's a family values Republican who has never been ever been married for a minute. Who who's he fucking? Has he fucked? No, I, just, I, I think we need to know. If you're cagey on that, it means no. Yeah. By the way, like um, that's a trick I tried when I was you know ages uh fifteen through a really embarrassing age that I'm not going to say. <laughs> uh, you know, just being cagey. Mr. Scott, well, uh, Will Maneker, Newark Star Ledger. Uh, can you describe what cock or pussy feels like? <laughs> I, if you are that reporter, and you're probably a list. Like, if you if you like are going somewhere with press credentials, the first thing you ask is like, "Have you ever had sex to a U.S. senator?" You're probably a listener. You probably got fired, like most of our listeners. Um, we want to make you our official political reporter. Well, I mean, it's a legitimate question. I would say it's a legitimate question because, I mean, look, I mean, like if the idea is that like um, the person who runs for president, like they they need to be married and have kids because that's sort of like you're you're, you have skin in the game. You're sort of uh, stamped and approved. You know, you're sort of a normal. I mean, isn't have you ever had sex? Because, you know, like if you're married and have kids that like that answers that question for everyone. So if you're not, the question remains out there. Have you ever had sex? Are you planning to? What was it like? What what are you into? <laughs> how how close to my location are you? What's your dick like, homie? What are you into? Um, no, I yeah, I, I guess I guess it's legitimate. It just you know, I don't usually hear it. Is what I'm saying. Um, I I still appreciate the courage. I do feel bad for him though because I do think he would have been um, for like a certain type of Republican, like the type of Republican that would watch movies like a. Um, all the movies with Chris Farley's brother in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, th- like those movies, yeah. A Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, um, yeah. Yeah, Christmas where, like, Tale, yeah, whatever that yeah, was. Some, some lib gets visited by like the ghosts of hard work and shit. Um, <laughs> all, all that, all the, like that type of, like that John type Boyd. of, Repo- yeah, like he was, he would be a great candidate for Republicans who are still going on this thing of like, oh, Democrats are the real racists. You know, unfortunately, they're not anymore. Unfortunately, uh, the Republican line now is we're the real racists. They're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are racist. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's a man out of time. He could have been he could have at least played the president in one of those movies. But if they did now, if they made a conservative movie with him as president now, it would be boycott. They'd be like, what's this fucking woke shit? Black president? I don't think so. Fuck. Get out of here. Fuck you. Well, I mean, uh, speaking about like sort of identity categories in the president, I did notice that in response to the Politico hit piece on uh, Casey DeSantis, our old pal Joan Walsh had a piece in The Nation lamenting uh, the attacks on Casey DeSantis. And she was like, I know her and her husband have contemptible politics, but like the way we treat potential first ladies is why we'll never have a female president. And I want to say to like Joan Walsh and people who still think like that, be careful what you wish for on that monkey's paw, because I have a strong feeling that we will have a female president sooner rather than later, but it's going to be a Republican lady. Maybe not Marjorie Taylor Greene, because she's, you know, she's too busted. But like, I, I, I think no, there's a, no, 
not gonna not, happen. No. Yeah. Talk about was, talk about person out of time, by the way. What fucking year is this, ladies? Is this 2013? Why are you writing this article still? <laughs> no, she was just like, because, uh, you know, it's like the, the implication that, like, you know, nobody's voting for your wife and, like, the fact that she's pulling your strings and, you know, like, should adopt a more traditional role. It's just like, I don't know, like, it's just priorities, please. Just shut the fuck up. Like, who cares? I mean, like, wh- regardless of what you think about her, like, her, like, if, if she is attached to her husband, like, not only, I mean, not only is he running for president for the Republican Party in 2023, but, I mean, he's currently undergoing, like, he's currently turning the state of Florida into, like, a sundown town. Like, like <laughs> that's how he's running for president. So I, I don't really give a shit if people are mean to his wife or not. But I will say though she she is uh, she she's a dish that Casey DeSantis that's I mean he she really is his his biggest asset because I mean he's not pleasant to look at or hear or <laughs> be in the same room with so I mean I don't know like get her to fucking run for president she'd have a better shot than him uh, can we talk about one of the other losers in the Republican field uh, Vi- is it Vivek Vivek yeah it's Vivek oh, and yeah another another old uh, Andrew Yang has another piece in Politico entitled. Nine ways Vivek Ramswamy can beat Donald Trump, according to Andrew Yang. <laughs> Andrew, Ye- Andrew Yang is such a fucking boob. That's the only way you could write an article is doing a list. He is he's a lifelong remedial English class taker. He's still going to remedial like junior high English. He's 57 years old showing up in that class. And they're like, he's like, I'm having trouble organizing my thoughts. And the very patient teacher is saying, why don't you make a list, Andrew? I would like Andrew to tell me how at, at, at its height, how long the list of ways that he could beat uh, Joe Biden was. And then <laughs> how long the list of ways he could beat Eric Adams was. <laughs> I, totally I totally forgot he ran for New York. He ran for mayor. <laughs> I just totally forgot that. He, he ate shit. He ran for mayor. And it was like when he was running for president, all like the smart people were like, you know, An- Andrew Yang, I don't think he should run for president. But, um, you know, I think John Hickenlooper should run for Senate. And I think Andrew <laughs> Yang should run for fucking mayor. Both those things suck. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Uh, I, so I, sure. I think about like what, what, what we're missing by not having a, a Yang mayorality. And I think policy wise, it would be pretty much identical to what you're seeing with with Adams. But, you know, without any of the awesome talking about you know crystals and, and how jesus wanted him to be mayor and all that and it would just be him like drinking soylent in, in gracie mansion brutal i just want to share just a, a few of a few of the, the winning strategies that uh vivek could adopt for himself and uh the first of which is um keep saying yes what? What? <laughs> what? just keep saying yes it says you are making your mark by saying yes to every media request that comes that comes in in every group that wants to hear from you from little podcasts to local New Hampshire political groups to late night cable news outlets. This is a great contrast to what other candidates will do with their careful and deliberate press strategies. You're 37 years old. You can out energy other candidates. Keep doing it. That's how my campaign first gained momentum and it will pay off for you as well. What happened in the same way? Nothing. Uh, A failed mayorality race, a failed third party. You could have all these awesome results that I got. I would say that I'd like to add um, one addendum to the the great stay positive positive strategy and saying yes to all media like requests that come in for interviews from like little podcasts to, you know, little Twitch streams. I would just add um, perhaps she perhaps Vivek and his campaign should consider asking to come on little podcasts 
for an interview. We'll I think, I think it's funny that he has to ask. He has. He, he like. You know what? You, you should. You should try to uh, be honest. Uh, many things as possible, as if that's not the entire reason this asshole is running for president. Yeah, right. Yeah, like be, being on the news is why he's doing this. You don't have to tell him to say yes to media appearances. Yeah, and it's also it's a stupid thing he's he's already doing. Like Vivek has been on every every podcast made by a guy who you know invested in Yahoo in 1994. All those podcasts that are named like Think Point or like diagnosis cognition all the all those fucking shows that are uh like the david Sachs guy his show he mm. goes on all of those all of those and it is just um he is picking up um maybe one percent of the total listener base yeah of all those shows combined well just remember vivek i mean the worst thing that can happen if you ask is that someone says no yeah, um, uh, Vivek. Here's here's my tip for you becoming president: go to the White House and start sweeping to show what a hard <laughs> you are. That's what this sounds like. That's what this fucking sounds like. Uh, next one is stay positive. I mean, <laughs> like, keep saying yes and then stay God. positive. <laughs> was Andrew, was Andrew Yang in a car accident recently? Like this is fucking stupid, even for him. <laughs> number four. Number four is my favorite. Be prepared for the debates. <laughs> like what? <laughs> so that's supposed to uh, not be prepared for this them. This sounds like it's for a child running for president. <laughs> yeah. Number five, lean into memes. Fuck you! Oh my god, <laughs> suck my fucking dick! I hate you. <laughs> yeah, because that was Joe Biden's strength when he, and also Trump's. Like yeah. neither of them know what a meme is, and they and they were the ones who won the those nominations. Yeah, but, but uh, he's, he's literally everything he's told him so far. Besides, stay positive is everything Blake Masters did. By the way, yeah, exactly. I love the, the leaning to memes. He ends that little graph by saying, "Someone once said, he who wins the internet wins everything." Who the no, fuck no said one that? Said no one said that. You said that. Shut the fuck up. And yeah, says, that's Trump why Bernie's president now. You fucking boob. Shut up. Trump owns the internet. If you change that, you can become a real threat. Okay. I love that. Too. Just change that. <laughs> just change just that. Become, just become the guy who's funny. And yeah. like, you, you know, half the people, uh, and half the people think it's funny and like. And started running for president with 90% national uh, name recognition. Yeah. I, yeah. Vivek, just try try to make your own memes like Trump. Go out there and go, um, uh, Hillary, you're fired. Or no, Zerg Rush Stalingrad. <laughs> yeah. No, Vivek, you can't become president by saying yes to everything and being positive. Yes. <laughs> no, Vivek, you can't you can't replace woke with innovation. Yeah, yes I can. <laughs> number 6. Number 6 is spend money early and late. What does that just mean? Spend, what does God, that mean? It just, it just means spend money. <laughs> it just every day Andrew Yang wakes up, someone is taking a melon ball or just taking scoops out <laughs> more of, the and more of his brain out. <laughs> number how seven. Is he not, how is he not like tricked every day into like not just giving someone a million dollars, but like anyone could convince Andrew Yang to blow them if they had two minutes? It's just math. Yeah. You plus me equals nut. <laughs> Uh, emphasize electability. That that's a that's a novel strategy. And then number yeah. eight, talk more about AI and UBI. <laughs> so the last, oh, so the do last, the shit that didn't work for so me. Do the shit that didn't work for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I bet Andrew Yang now thinks like 
that he's like vindicated somehow. Like, oh, if only if only people knew about Mid Journey when I was running, then I'd be I'd at least be fucking secretary. I'd be the new secretary of computers. No, <laughs> no, an alien could an alien could come in and be like, we're we're the Covenant from Halo, and we found out. You know, we're from the future. Andrew Yang is the best choice of president and no one would vote for you. Um, number nine, stay human. <laughs> Actually, that's going to piss off some of the Silicon Valley supporters he has. Yeah, in the yeah. Humanist community. It's like, wait a minute. Peter Thiel money like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, not going to be an immortal robot? Uh, pass. That's great just, advice. That's great advice if you are a werewolf running for president. <laughs> do, not, do not campaign during any full moon. Yeah, it's it's really good. I know it's the real you, but it's really going to freak people out if they see you. <laughs> There's a lot of ship. silver in the state of Nevada. Stay out of that early caucus. <laughs> uh, no, number nine, though, it says here. Um, the fact is the hired guns who populate your campaign would rather lose professionally than maximize your chances of a breakout victory. Play to win and make sure there are people around you who say, let Vivek be Vivek. Is that what Andrew thinks happened to him? He's like fucking Rambo at the end of the movie. Somebody didn't let us win. <laughs> there are let still delegates out there. Find them. <laughs> I don't suck. Uh, yeah, let Vivek be Vivek. That's got to be just the worst campaign advice you could give someone like that. Yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. I just, I, he legitimately thinks that he was like, he, he has a new knife in the back conspiracy theory that the consultants robbed him of his chances. <laughs> they were like, no, no, it's better for our career if Andrew loses. We can't handle anyone with that much swag in the White House. He would <laughs> render us obsolete. His ideas are too good. I mean, his ideas like, let's put computers in middle school. No one else has these fucking ideas. We have to kill him. He's more dangerous than Malcolm X. <laughs> Who's paying for these Andrew Yang articles? What publication was this even in? It says, it says, it will be an uphill climb. But hey, worst case after the campaign, you can come join me in the forward party. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so that, uh, that's, <laughs> that, that's it. He's giving him all the advice that will tank his campaign as soon as possible so he can be in the forward party. Yeah, that's it. He's putting sugar in the gas tank. <laughs> the, and then he's going to be like, oh, do you need a ride? <laughs> the, the forward party. The forward hey, party. That's a direction that I like to go. Yeah, if you want to get somewhere for me, forward is the direction of preference <laughs> for me. You know, a lot of times when I want to, you know, I'm, I'm in a when I'm in a parking space, a lot of people, you know, you got to go back to go forward first. But fuck that. I, I go straight through the car in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Join the forward party. Just cap it off. That's Join just... us. It's bliss in the forward party. God, how many members are in the forward party now? <laughs> I'm actually there, looking. Fewer, me fewer members than there are fucking pieces of advice for Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Christy Todd Whitman, apparently. Woo! Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. Right. okay. The, the, for the forward party seems to have a lot of people who like voted for Trump in 2016 or were even like sub cabinet secretaries. And then in like january 7th 2021 are like i can't support this administration oh shit you know who's in the forward party now uh fucking admiral joe oh no, see that no. joe c stack no. oh fuck to, okay i take back no, everything we have to, i said we, no no i take we have back to everything rescue i said him. we have to fucking <laughs> rescue joe 
God, actually, Admiral Joe, bring it back full circle, perhaps a guy who could spearhead negotiations with White Gladys and her Orca warriors? Yes. Absolutely. But yeah, we have to deprogram him from the forward party <laughs> uh, forward. brain hive before we let him do that. Joe, oh, Joe. Wait, what did... Oh, God. You gotta Andrew go back to go like, forward. Andrew must have said sent some of his, like, uh, some of his remaining diehards, like, kidnap Joe's family. He did something terrible to get that. That's... I'm really sad. We really have to get him out. We just... We just need new ideas. We need some new, new forward-thinking ideas. Like, like, be human and stay positive. <laughs> I love the Andrew Yang merch where it's like, it'll be like a hat and, um, you know, it'll be like the word tribalism crossed out and then under it, it's a not word like togetherism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his merch designer. All right. Well, to um to round out today's show and to, you know, uh, uh, for, further dive into the, uh, the carousel of losers, I, I just got to share with you the first couple paragraphs of this Wired interview with Pete Buttigieg by Virginia Heffernan. You remember her? He, she is about, light herself. About Joan Walsh. Yeah. I love her. She's um she's the first like um you know creationist from the creationist, left in like yeah. 130 years. Yeah, let, she's William Jennings the, Bryan. Yeah, she's the last guy, last person you know carrying that torch. She mm -hmm. rocks. Yeah, I want to know and, her opinion on bimetallism too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she if anyone can lead an agrarian party it's her <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so this is a the, the headline is a pete Buttigieg loves god beer and his electric mustang and i gotta say uh it's just the the timing of all this because you know it's been as we've covered on the show it's been a rough 2023 in the press for pete Buttigieg, and to come across with like th this absolute suck job that i'm about to tell you is it's just like they're like, okay, we need we need the softest media target for Pete Buttigieg, and it's the uh, it's the liberal creationist lady. Yeah, um, Pete Buttigieg, wouldn't you know it? Like every problem, every bad thing that happens, you know, it's something related to transportation. And even I, the, I love the thing people try to do to bail him out, where they're like, oh, that's actually not the Department of Transportation's jobs. I don't care. I don't give a shit. The uh, the subhead to the article is. Uh, Sure, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation has thoughts on building bridges, but infrastructure occupies just a sliver of his voluminous mind. That's good to know. Wait a minute, isn't this a huge waste of talent then to have him dicking around uh, in a job that he can't do anything in? Yeah, um, yeah. Shouldn't he be? Shouldn't he be like the Secretary of Polymaths then? Like, what, yeah. what the fuck is he doing at transportation? Innovations are. Yeah, I want like a big fat guy from Cook County who's been a bridge supervisor for 90 years instead of this yeah. fucking uh, guy who does Rubik's cubes all day. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we should not have him like just standing around uh, a train derailment, like putting us uh, shrugging. He should be like in a <laughs> vat with yeah. the other uh, fucking uh, uh, precogs trying to save humanity. <laughs> it's not Pete Buttigieg's fault that the stadium collapsed. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the, just the, the, first, the first paragraph of this piece is one sentence, and I'm just going to read it to you now. 
The curious mind of Pete Buttigieg holds much of its functionality in reserve. Even as he discusses, uh, sorry, that's, uh, that was the first sentence. There's, this next one is just one long sentence. Even as he discusses railroads and airlines down to pointless data that is his current stock and trade, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation comes off like a Mensa black card holder who might have a secret <laughs> Go habit or a three-second Rubik's Cube solution or a knack for supplying off the top of his head. The day of the week for a random date in 1404, along with non, a non-condescending history of the Julian and Gregorian calendars. So he's just, he keeps, while he's talking about one subject, you can easily see him knowing about other ones. So like (laughs) anybody really, like any adult. I want to know what you get with the Mensa black card. What what is a Mensa black card? Yeah. Like what what Uh, do you get with the black card? Do I get rewards points for that? Your brain points for every JetBlue flight. You can hang out in the special JetBlue Brain Lounge. <laughs> With the other Brainiacs. <laughs> exchanging high-level thoughts telepathically, not even having to talk. Ugh. Yeah, it is, it's just nonstop in there. It's like a bunch mm. of Snapple facts, you know, just flying through the, through the air. But was it, along with a non-condescending history of the Julian and Gregorian calendars, has Virginia been talking to people who like pretentiously and condescendingly explained to her the Gregorian calendar? What the I fuck mean, does I that have. even it's, sound it's, like? It's, yeah. it's awful. Oh. <laughs> they, they, they use a little baby voice when they're doing it. Humiliating. <laughs> it was at the Council of Twent. As <laughs> <laughs> Secretary Buttigieg and I talked in his unfurn- un- under-furnished corner office. Oh, how, how fucking humble of him. As Secretary Buttigieg and I talked in his underfurnished corner office one afternoon in early spring, I slowly became aware that his cabinet job requires only a modest portion of his cognitive powers. Other mental facilities. I know, yeah, seriously. <laughs> if you're if you're like, damn, this this transportation secretary job is just running me ragged. It's like, okay, you, you we don't have a lot of mile uh, horsepower here under the hood. Yeah, he's so different from the last you know ten transportation secretaries who. You know, the job was so taxing on them, their brain overheated and they died. <laughs> there have been 500 transportation secretaries. No one can survive. Except yeah. He, like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Don't they remember when Ray LaHood's head exploded like scanners <laughs> at the State of the Union? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every other transportation secretary, they have the thing from uh, Johnny Mnemonic where they run out of space in their brain. <laughs> Overdrawn at the memory bank. I need to get online. <laughs> I mean, whereas, whereas she's writing about Pete Buttigieg like he's fucking Lieutenant Barclay in that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where like he encounters some alien probe that accelerates his mind's capacity by like exponential degrees until he's just like a god just sitting like looking at things and like lights lighting up different things. Uh, tell me about the Gregorian calendar, Lieutenant Barclay. Uh, so he says, um, I slowly became aware that his cabinet job requires only a modest portion of his cognitive powers. <laughs> Other mental facilities, no kidding, are apportioned to the Iliad, Puritan historiography, and Nausgaard Spring, though not in the original Norwegian. Slacker. Fortunately, he was willing to devote yet another apse in his cathedral mind to making his ideas about three mighty themes, neoliberalism, masculinity, and Christianity, intelligible to me. How fucking generous I of feel, him. Wh- wow. In, in the cathedral-like Those... apse, in the, in the apse in his cathedral mind. Like, 
I understand that this is supposed to be a puff piece, but like it, it, this is this is fucking embarrassing if you're Pete Buttigieg. Like it's embarrassing if you're Virginia. I mean, those people who explained the Gregorian calendar to her did a number on her fucking self esteem because uh, it, it just like her description of him is like he knows two things that you learn in AP sophomore modern European history, and it's reading a book. He's you know was so gracious to tell me without overloading my pathetic ant brain. <laughs> Virginia, believe in yourself. You're more impressive than Pete. You're a liberal creationist. You wrote the funniest like Trump Russia stuff ever. You are the best at it. You wrote so much funny stuff. You know, you, you're, I don't care about alpha bank. You the stuff you wrote. Awesome. Um, you're crazy in a great way. You're a true artist. This guy is not impressive. You're impressive. Believe in yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, just the idea that, like, it's so impressive that he could, uh, like, I mean, like, just think how how high your IQ has to be to have an opinion on neoliberalism. Well, shit, if that's the case, the whole podcast industry needs to fucking wrap it up right now. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I got news for you, Virginia. You don't have to be very smart to have an opinion on any of these things. All the things she's describing Pete is doing, like, that are amazing. Literally all things like I oh I I know about neoliberalism. I've read you know dozens of Nausgaard books. I've read way more than he has, and I can I I I barely have cognition. I failed the mirror <laughs> test. I I've attacked every mirror I've ever fucking seen in my life. This <laughs> says here um uh, because Buttigieg at 41, is an old millennial. Because as a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford, he got a, a first in PPE, philosophy, politics, and economics, the trademark degree for Labor Party elites of the Tony Blair era, because he worked uh, because he worked optimizing grocery store pricing at McKinsey. I love that. I, I, I love that little term of art, optimizing grocery store pricing. Like for who? Yeah. <laughs> like who are these prices being optimized on behalf of? Of the consumer? Virginia really just padding over, just put, sweeping it under the rug, the whole bread scam. <laughs> this is the bread scam boat. <laughs> oh, so here, um, because he joined the Navy in hopes of promoting democracy in Afghanistan, because he got gay married to his partner Chasen in 2018, and because as mayor of South Bend, Indiana, he agitated to bring hipster entrepreneurism and high-tech investment to his Rust Belt hometown. I had to ask him about neoliberalism, the happy idea that consumer markets and liberal democracy will always expand and will always expand together. I was also fascinated by the way that Buttigieg, who has long described himself as obsessed with technology and data, has responded to the gendering of tech, especially green tech, by fearsome culture warriors, including Marjorie Taylor Greene. What did she mean, the gendering of tech? I, I don't, I mean, okay, like, well, like in the interview, like she just like, uses kind of like uh the josh hallway tucker carlson like masculinity panic thing to just be like oh but you drive an electric electric mustang like that's not baggy and then he's like no not at all it's actually quite cool to drive a powerful car <laughs> it says here uh Buttigieg, uh whose father was a renowned marxist scholar was himself a devotee of senator bernie sanders as a young man he now recognizes that the persistence of far-right ideology with its masculinist and anti-democratic preoccupations is part of the reason that neoliberalism has come undone. 
Not everyone, it seems, even wants a rising standard of living if it means they have to accept the greater enfranchisement of undesirables, including, of course, women, poor people, black people, and the usual demons in the sights of the world's Ted Cruz's and Tucker Carlson's. He also talked about his faith. Lefties these days are said to be less religious than right-wing evangelicals, but between Buttigieg, whose Episcopalianism grounds his decision-making, and his boss, President Joe Biden, whose robust Catholicism drives his sincere effort to revive America's soul, perhaps a religious left <laughs> is rising again. I love, I, wait, I, I love the idea that she's like, his sincere, like, you know, the, 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 the that the vanguard of like a a, a great awakening and in, in, in religious faith in this country is going to come from a fucking Episcopalian. I was raised Episcopalian. It's a religion for people who don't believe in God or religion. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. Oh my That's god. Uh, Episcopalianism makes Reformed Judaism look like snake handling. <laughs> it is. It is just. It's fucking nothing. <laughs> it is the zima of religions. <laughs> yeah, it is just nothing. No, absolutely nothing. What so it, for, freaks me? There's nothing more terrifying to me than a Maltese Episcopalian. <laughs> you are supposed to Yeah, you are. Yeah, you. You're supposed to be seeing the Virgin Mary in like olive dip. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you're supposed to be crying all the time. Yeah, cut it out. You're not, yeah, you're it, not Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah, it, it wasn't fucking tea and crumpets that drove the Turks out of Valletta, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the ble- <laughs> I'm seeing the Blessed Virgin in this white wine stain. <laughs> <laughs> we need to sit Pete down and make him watch uh, Joe Don Baker's Final Justice to like yes, get in touch, yes, get yes. in touch with his roots. <laughs> Or, or, um, or the Steven Seagal movie General Commander, in which much of which takes place on Malta, and the bad guys is a Maltese, uh, an Italian Maltese gangster. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. You remember the scene in that movie where they're, where like they introduce the villain and they're having dinner at a restaurant and they just bring in the food and he just goes, ah, pasta, pasta, <laughs> <laughs> pasta, and then they slit the guy's throat and like is just gouts of blood, just fill some you know plate of gnocchi or something. This is off topic, but um, that was a Seagal movie where um, he goes, I've been coming to Asia, I've been coming yep. here to Asia for many years now. Yep. right. <laughs> that was the one. Greatest line of all time. And then also, I'd like the most, like the, remember the, uh, the most, the bafflingly edited scene of people getting off a plane and they just keep cutting <laughs> yes. back and you're like, it's like a clown car. You're like, wait, who's where? I don't know what's going on here. I, you know what I, uh, uh rewatched the other day? Perfect weapon. Greatest twist ending oh my ever. God, yes. Oh yeah. They don't get better than that. Avenge me, brother. <laughs> Eat your heart they, they out say, crying game. They say how we live. They say that the breath we take when we die is like every breath we've ever lived. <laughs> avenge me brother <laughs> i just want to read a little bit from uh the actual interview where virginia asks him what is neoliberalism and what happened to it and he says when it comes to neoliberalism we got mugged by reality that's one cheeky way to put it okay. he's so cheeky um and he goes uh this is true with the realities of climate change if you can't face that change you might retreat to the default place of masculinity maybe that's why someone characterized electric vehicles as emasculating i think it was marjorie taylor green he says, are they not? And to he, he says, to me, a car is a car. Actually, the electric truck has got more torque than a regular truck, and it'll tow just as well. Argument and then he one. Com- and then he talks about his love of the Burger King Impossible Whopper. 
with bacon. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It yeah. is pretty good, though. It's pretty good. But he has it with bacon? That's a smarter animal than a fucking... A pig is smarter than a cow, you asshole. <laughs> Fuck says, you. Uh, he says, you suck. You don't know anything. <laughs> a lot of this discussion about masculinity doesn't have anything to do with the immediate function that's at stake. I'm thinking about burgers, right? Oh, he, oh, Pete, you know, he is an American, always thinking about oh, burger. Burger. Always thinking about burger. It's <laughs> another part of his voluminous mind as he's like, you know, <laughs> as he's rotating shapes in his head and, you know, coming up with uh, bread pricing strategies and airline ticket debacles. It's just, he's got room for Whopper in there. Yeah, he's thinking about, you know, he's, he's thinking about uh, the Declaration of Independence, Spider Man as a girl, and Whopper. <laughs> Um, he says, uh, I love a good cheeseburger. I hate a bad veggie burger. I like a good veggie burger. The Burger King Impossible Whopper with bacon is not a bad combo. How are we wasting this brilliant, this beautiful mind at the Secretary, the Department of Transportation? Impossible Whopper, Whopper with bacon is the most ass backwards fucking thing I've ever heard. He really is Maltese. <laughs> that is from the brain of the simple Knight of Malta. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but Newt Gingrich got here much earlier, okay? When he when he correctly described the the chicken wrap at McDonald's as a at 200 calories as a dollar end pound bargain. That, the, the simple elegance of that statement compared to the 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 blundering ophery of this mount bank. <laughs> uh, likewise, when it comes to driving, I mean, there's a very literal physical technical sense in which power is at stake when you drive. It feels good to be driving a vehicle with a lot of power. This is like a deep thoughts. <laughs> like John from Saturday Night Live. People just vroom, vroom. deep thoughts. Yeah. Maybe in order to understand mankind, we have to look at the word itself. Mankind. Basically, it's made up of two separate words, mank and eind. What do these words mean? It's a mystery, and that's why so is mankind. The vehicle I get around DC in is a Mustang Mach-E. The fact that Ford made one of their first electric vehicles a Mustang is probably not an accident. It has three modes, whisper, engage, and unbridled. There are propulsion sound effects involved in the different modes to help you feel conscious of the power of the engine. Clearly, we have a chance to re- re- rewrite some of these easy gender tropes. My life happens to cut across them. I like drinking beer, lifting weights, splitting wood. I'm also gay, and I like playing splitting piano. Wood? Wait a second. When is playing piano ever considered, like, uh, you know, uh, queer or something like or just feminized or something like that? What the fuck? I'm, I'm stuck at splitting wood. <laughs> splitting wood. I love splitting wood. Even people who need to do that, even if you're like some asshole who lives in a tent uh, out in Montana, you don't like doing that. Hey, it warms you twice. Yeah. Uh, it, it is comforting to me to know that this guy, uh, you know, he, he, he took his mind, his insanely powerful mind, and applied it to the, question, the, the questions of the moment, the crises that we face, and, and like went into, you know, the deepest mental realms to pull out uh, well, what if we did impossible whoppers instead of meat whoppers? And what if we had an electric Mustang instead of a gas one? Yeah, yeah. That'll do it, I think. But I, I like it's like having the impossible whopper with bacon is like having a, an electric Mustang that has sound effects to like emulate the, the revving engine and yeah. horsepower. It would be like an electric Mustang that still has like a coal rolling mechanism. <laughs> It completely invalidates the point. Well, no, you see, because uh, uh, the, the uh, c- cattle by far are the highest uh, CO2 producing animals. So 
from the standpoint of climate change, it's much more important to replace the beef than the, the pork and the Whopper. That if he really thinks that 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 is the that's the fucking dumbest way to try to reduce climate change. That is just that is um the equivalent of just scooping a teaspoon out of the ocean. That's not why you do it. You do it because animals are friends, you asshole. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I I, ch- I I looked in I looked into the forward party's platform on this, and they're saying get rid of the whoppers, but like we need to bring in more of the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. I mean, it's a great sandwich. Um, Wasn't Pete's thing like? six months ago that he biked everywhere in dc yeah it's like <laughs> yeah, signaling I, I everywhere remember that. i'm gonna bike everywhere but also i'm going to have a mustang but it's going to be electric and it's going to emit uh engine noises it's all just hedging all the way down uh listen to this though virginia asked him running department of transportation seems to suit you are the more uh, are there more ways the challenges of transportation speak to your spiritual side he's got an answer for this you ready he says there's just a lot in the scriptural tradition around journeys, around roads, right? The conversion of St. Paul happens on the road. I think if we're all nearer to our spiritual potential when we're on the move, something about movement, something about travel pulls us out of the routines that numb us to who we are, to what we're doing, to everything from our relationships with each other to our relationships with God. That's part of the reasons why so many important things in the Bible happen on highways, what a fucking bat! What a <laughs> shitty thought. I he I personally at thinking. Not, so that means, <laughs> if you think about it, since I'm a secretary of transportation and I'm in charge of all the highways, I'm essentially the pope. Yeah. <laughs> wow, roads are really important in this uh, in this um, text from thousands of years ago. It was one of the two things they had. <laughs> <laughs> I personally never feel closer to God than when I'm in an airport. <laughs> and, and by that, I mean, I'm close to killing myself and meeting, <laughs> meeting him. Uh, he goes, and then journeys. They're also just marvels. Every flight is a marvel that pulls us out of the, that in the same way that religious rituals, holidays, litur- liturgies are one kind of routine that pulls us out of another kind of routine. When you get on a plane, people buckle their seatbelt and listen to the flight attendant's very predictable pronouncements. It's routine. It's almost a ritual, right? And yet you're preparing to fly through the heavens. Life is a combination of drudgery and miracles. Part of what keeps me at home in the Episcopal, Episcopal faith is that it liturgically is rather conservative. I like that routine. This guy's like, I, I like hearing from the flight attendant every time. It's like, it's, it's like you know, it's like I, I always pay attention. Yeah, when yeah. They tell first me of all, <laughs> where my uh, seat back is. First of all, nobody is fucking listening to that show anymore. The noise canceling headphones go on immediately as soon as the seatbelt comes on, and I am just like, oh yeah, I, I, I or unless I'm sitting in an exit aisle and I have to do the robotic, yeah, yes, I, I, oh, if the plane crashes, will I help out? Sure, sure, yeah. I, I, I definitely will. It, I I could be on a flight and the flight attendant could be announcing just like we're going we're going to do a blow by blow of passenger Felix Peterman's worst sexual performances and we actually have them on video and we're going to show everyone I wouldn't notice I would not notice uh, this is your captain speaking we'll be making an unscheduled uh, transfer in the Empire State Building uh, hope to see you all in hell. <laughs> I just um, like whatever. I'm watching Wakanda forever on this fucking TV in my share. Yeah, I'm, I don't, exactly. don't want to know about this shit. I'm watching. Um, I'm watching the sad Wolverine movie. <laughs> I could care less. I I love um, the rest of this is so great though because his uh, him trying to get intellectual about flights. You know, 
a plane is so interesting because it's a place that you go to that takes you to a different place than you live or it can mm. take you home. <laughs> the fact that it could take you away from home and take you home gives it an almost metaphysical property. It's, you know, uh, it's my like- Episcopalian beliefs, you know, they tell me that, um, you know, you can, you can either be at home or you can be on vacation, but you can also take a work trip. And that's like both. You know, everything is constantly coming into and going out of existence. And like airports are airports and the, the flight experience is a lot like that. You know, trains are either staying on the track or falling off of them, spewing toxic chemicals into the groundwater of uh, all of southeastern Ohio. And that's sort of like life in a lot of ways. You know, it's filled with water you can drink and water that will poison you and give you cancer. But it's just one of those little rituals that grounds us, really. This is he, like this he is so design. full of shit. These are like. Uh, these are the answers that like a clever student gives to like bullshit on, yeah. on like a test. I also I feel like these are designed to give like um, this is designed to just give conservatives like a, a, a just start brain hemorrhaging if they read this. They they really zeroed in on Pete. They hate Pete for like um, they hate him for like the dumbest reasons you can hate him. They're like, uh, oh, I hate that Pete Buttigieg. Not, you know, not because of. uh McKenzie or you know, he's doing a bad job is uh, oh he um he like uh he he did uh in he vitro took parental leave yeah exactly but um this is going to make a fox news guy shoot up a 24-hour fitness <laughs> this is just madness inducing if you're them it's mad madness inducing for me it's madness inducing for me because i know i'll never be as intelligent as pete Buttigieg. yeah well yeah never i mean, understand things as deeply as him i'll never make the connections that his that his sort of spry, like a sort of like a gazelle on the African veldt, like popping from one topic to another in a blessed and blessed, beautiful harmony. My mind will never be like that. It's like a like a like a hog just wallowing in shit. I've only ever been able to have one thought in my head at a time for my entire life. And it's just really upsetting to find out that others are capable of multiple thoughts. <laughs> Usually I'm like hungry, want Whopper, and my mind will never, it will never make the imaginative leap to ah, neoliberalism and, and the crisis of masculinity. <laughs> oh, uh, Pete Buttigieg should fucking join the forward party. Honestly, yeah, that's what they need. I think that could really because he could add new directions. Yeah, because he could feel in a whole like three three dimensions. He could he could yeah, move exactly. He's like all, forward. Hey, I got an idea. How about up? Oh, yeah, that's another direction you can go. That's also, that's also that's Pete and Chasen's favorite movie, by the way. Oh, that was that first twenty minutes. They bring out, bring they got the Kleenex, the waterworks are going to start early. He would have. You do have to feel bad for him in some way, in that he would have been like as like uh, maybe not maybe not PM, but he would have been a great leader of a center right party in like Belgium. Mm. Yep. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you put him in one of those European countries, it's small, but it's just basically like a bank. It's mm-hmm. like if city city group was a country, he would be thriving there. But no, he's got to be a dumb American. Mm. Tough break. Yeah, too bad. And they, oh, and there, like if he was in Switzerland or something, the fact that he's Maltese instead of you know just being an embarrassing type of white person like it is in America, they would treat him like Obama. They'd be like, "You're the most, <laughs> you're the you most even ethnic, have to uh, to be gay anymore." Ethnic man. I never thought that we would have this day, but we have uh, the Maltese uh, uh, Chancellor. We, we truly have made great progress. Yeah, the Malt- the uh, Swiss Will I Am would like make a song about him. 
I'm going through shallop right dish by uh, by destroying 15 uh, mosque minarets. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Oh, that does it for the, uh, the the voluminous mind of Pete Buttigieg currently being wasted in the Department of Transportation. Yeah, hugely inefficient use of resources here. We got to get this guy off the bench. Got to get this guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. It's the second, you know, it, you know, if Biden wins a second term, man, he's got to get a promotion because, you know, he's going to be dynamite on the campaign trail, bringing in all the votes from South Bend, all 50 of them. I mean, honestly, though, I don't would if, if his brain really is that powerful. It's pretty clearly shown by now that uh, it would be wasted in the presidency, considering yeah. who our last two presidents were. Um, like, he's not going to be able to use that massive brain anyway. If if that if if the Trump and Biden level mental cognitive uh, engagement is enough to be president, that that's going to be a lot of unused horsepower. I do. I, I just like sorry. One one last little line from Virginia is when she was talking about his. Uh, how like him and Biden are going to lead a spiritual reawakening of the left because he's an Episcopalian, and she described Biden's robust Catholicism. It's robust. It's it's big. Yeah, it's it's big. I mean, like it's big yeah, and you, juicy. <laughs> his robust uh, Catholicism, large. It's it's uncut Catholicism. They're calling it. Well, uh, best of luck to Pete. But once again, I'd just like to say not best of luck, but like hope to link and build with White Gladys and the, the yes. Orca uprising. Yeah. Yeah. White Gladys, White, uh, White Gladys, please uh, telepathically slide into my DMs or something. Tell me what I need to do. I, I'm your willing servant. We are the stay behind network on land that will yes. sort of like prep Absolutely. the battle space for the coming, the coming uh, Orca war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, All right. will, uh, we will be your Hanoi, uh, Matt, Will, and Felix. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I think uh, that does it for us today. Do we have any uh, plugs or announcements or anything like that? Yes. Our uh, merch presale, this will be going up on uh, Tuesday around noon, Tuesday, May 23rd. Our merch presale ends tomorrow, Wednesday, May 24th. So if you want to get any of this round of merch, uh, including all of the Hell on Earth swag and, of course, uh, this release of the Zapata oil hats, uh, get them now. The link will be in the description. All right. Cheers, guys. Till next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye.